When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. And good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center. And you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. We have a great show for you today. And um, we're going to have Art Neal returning. And Art is with the New Media Rights. And he's also a law professor at California Western School of Law. And he's calling in from sunny San Diego. Um, he, Art, has, who's been on the show several times, they have a, has a new book, and we think it's going to be valuable to our listeners. Don't Panic, A Legal Guide in Plain English for Small Businesses and Creative Professionals. And it's co-written by uh, his former staff attorney, Terry Karabinik. And um, Art, are you with us? I'm here, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Bennett. Thank you. And... Um, so you, you had to write it in plain English. You had to show them <laughs> that lawyers know how to do that. You got to ruin it for yes. the rest of us. <laughs> we did. We wanted to show. We do try to turn things on their head here a little bit. We try to open things up. Um, I mean, just everybody is required. I mean, we all know anybody who's started a, a project, whether it's a private, whether it's a private company or whether it's a nonprofit project, we all know how many hats we all have to wear to get right. those things going. And I just, you know, legal is just one of those hats. And the, if we're all honest about it, um, you know, so many people just do it themselves a lot. And so right. the idea is like, we know people are doing it themselves. We just want to help people, you know, 90% of the time make, make better decisions for themselves. And then know there's a lot of points in this book that also, you know, that say like, now's the time to really go talk to a lawyer. So I, I think that's, it's a lot of this book is 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 what you knowing what you don't know and exactly. knowing knowing when to reach out to somebody, which I, I you know, and that's going to save you. That can save you a lot of time and money because you um, it's all about avoiding problems before they before they start. <clears throat> and, you know, you having both been in private practice and in house. You know, one thing that surprised me about being in house was that you have to work just as hard to get your clients. And that, that seems counterintuitive, but you, what you're really trying to do is educate the people at, at your company to recognize that there's certain when they need to come to a lawyer. And I think that's also what you're trying to do here with this book. Um, but why don't we talk a little bit just about um, new media rights? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So actually, we're en- we're entering our uh, tenth year of Congratulations. existence. Congratulations. And uh, thank you. And the idea. The reason I even started this whole project about 10 years ago was YouTube was coming around. Blogging had really started to take off. 
And it's simply so many people could share their creativity and, and businesses with the world. But the idea was how do you make sure that they have guidance, legal guidance or access to legal services? And so we we just want I wanted to be a part of figuring that question out. Um, and so along the way, we've we figured out what niches we can fill. One of those niches is we run a we run a contact form where we get probably 60 60 plus requests a month now for legal services. And we try to help people understand the basics of the situation um, and give them ideas as to how to proceed. Okay, you know, and then some of those people we actually take on as clients. So you know, a lot of those folks are people, as I said before, who just aren't going to be able to afford an IP attorney for $750 an hour. Um, but, but getting this stuff taken care of early um, especially on the IP side with copyrights and trademarks and patents and things like that, um, can mean the difference between the business or the the art, you know maybe the artistic project succeeding or not. And so we're there to provide services and um, guidance for folks early, early on in the process. Uh, and you know when they're ready to when they when they grow up and and they're ready to um, to move on and maybe maybe it's a company and they're going to get some funding, then they can move on to the private bar and go work with another attorney and that's fine. Um, but we're there real, you know, early on for these projects. The other two things that we do though, besides the one-to-one work that we do is that we do a lot of education work. So you can go on our website. Um, you know, I think we get about 40 or 50,000 visits a month and which isn't so bad for a legal nonprofit website. And, exactly, and there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of written guides, but we also have a lot of video guides and we even built an app. So if somebody is making a video uh, or a film, they can actually uh, use our app to understand and answer the question, you know, can I reuse this? So can I right. reuse this under fair use? Do I need a license? Um, and then the third thing that we do is public policy. So we go to the Copyright Office and we go to the Federal Communications Commission. And based on what we learn with people on the on the ground, we try to make and advise policymakers to make the law better for, uh, you know, for the for the for the startups, for the independent creators, uh, because certainly the large media companies and large tech companies have plenty of representation at the table, but it's not always aligned with the interests of sort of the next generation of right. <laughs> exactly. the next generation of Google and Twitters and Facebooks. So, and we actually. Um, Going back to your second point, we, we covered the, your Fair Use app and your Citizen's Guide to the Creative Commons on your last visit here in um, 2015. So um, we encourage you. We have a link to that on our show notes, which are available on our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. encourage everyone to check it out. Um, so what led to you writing this book? You know, I had had a discussion. Of course, the idea came from one of these, we work in a tech co-working space, right? So there's a lot of entrepreneurs and they all have ideas all the time. And, and one of them talked to me and said, you know, a lot of this good stuff that you guys share, because that's something we do on every representation is we also try to educate our clients, right? We, we try to help them make better decisions down the line. So, you know, the client, this is somebody we'd work with was telling me, you know, this is so helpful. Uh, it just seems like it would be very, very useful. And it, cause it, you guys wrote it in a way that I could actually understand and use it. And so the idea 
and the challenge for us. And it took us about eight or nine months, almost a year. It took us really about a year to get the whole book together. Um, it took us about a year. And the idea was, how can we write a book for non-lawyers that's actually accessible for non-lawyers? And I mean, we looked out there and there's a ton of different books, but a lot of the books um, I think are, um, are either too much depth or written in a way that's uh, too much jargon. And I think that people can understand a lot of what they need to understand. And I think sometimes that people, we also can, can overwhelm folks with more than they need to know, right? right. <laughs> and so, so the idea was filtering down because the book really in the end is only about 155 pages. Well, and I great. love, what I love about it is, you know, it's more, I mean, you can read it cover to cover, that's fine. A lot of it is really as a reference, right? So it's instead of being, let's say, a chapter about uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, right? Mm -hmm. That that chapter is a chapter entitled, chapter seven, for instance, is what you need to know before you launch you know, a new interactive application or internet-based service. So the idea is if you're going to launch an app or a web service, what do you need to know? And that's the kind of question that the people who come to us ask. They don't ask, what do I need to do with that whole digital millennium copyright? Exactly. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was translating a little bit and, and not just putting statutes in cases. And frankly, well, we, well, we mentioned a few cases and statutes, of course, it's not, you know, that's, that's not what the non-lawyer is looking for. They're looking no. for actionable stuff. And I think somebody could just pull this off the shelf and really get a sense. For instance, there's a whole chapter on insurance and, you know, they might've been told by, uh, VCs, or they might have been told by mentors, let's say a startup company, right? They might have been told like, oh, well, you need to be looking into this or that. Well, they can pull this book off the shelf and they can say, what were, oh. what were they talking about? With yeah, that's, the, that's, the that's what he was officers. saying. Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> that. And actually, um, you've been gotten re the book has been very well received. Um, this is from TechDirt. This new book is super useful, plain English, legal guide to a variety of issues that face both creative artists and small businesses. Besides being super understandable for the non-lawyer, artist, or developer, it also reinforces that the issues both face are fairly similar. So um, congratulations to you on that. So it seems that the, the book more or less follows the life cycle of a business and yes. starting with uh, the most important one, forming your business, and then goes on to other issues. But let's talk about that, forming a business. Um, I often... You know, I go to these startup conferences and Silicon Beach events that we have over here. And I recall some large firm um, saying that, in essence, everyone should incorporate in Delaware. <laughs> what, what do you think of that? Well, I think that a lot of I, – I don't necessarily think that that's true. Um, I, I definitely don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that what – what is important is what I see a lot of, and we, we tend to actually work with outside counsel on the formation part for people, um, and we tend to do a lot of the, the contracts and licensing agreements with folks. But I think that what happens a lot for people is um, they come to us having tried to sort of do it themselves, and um, I, I think the formation process is something where you not only need a it depends. Like if somebody's very savvy and knows exactly what they're doing in terms of their um, 
approach to the business and how they're going to give out equity and how they're going to give up pieces of the business to other people or not give up pieces, then maybe they can go and have an attorney just rotely set that up. But what you really want is to work with an attorney, not just to to set you up with a um, the, the thing to set you up with a particular formation, but you actually want to work with a, a knowledgeable attorney that can help you based on your business, your business model, what you're doing um, to figure out what the best structure and where and where to set it up. Um, right. I mean, you know, we work with a lot of films, for instance, and sometimes people will get really, I mean, of course there's some really great advantages to, to setting up a, um, you know, to setting up a separate company or to setting up perhaps a, a nonprofit, um, you know, in terms of raising funds for the film, things like that. But sometimes with smaller films, you know, people don't realize, oh, well, you know, I've got these fees I've got to pay every single year for this stuff. And maybe in terms of the small margins I've got on this film, you know, maybe that wasn't what I needed to do. Maybe I should have thought about doing a fiscal sponsorship arrangement with an existing nonprofit instead of creating a nonprofit, right, for a one-off film project that's a year long or something like that. Um, and so so I, there are a lot of creative ways to form companies. And there's even more, there's been some more complications added to the mix, I think, or not complications, but some options that aren't even that well used um, at this point. Like the thing that I'm really, you know, we, we spent a lot of time for this book actually looking into not just some of the more traditional, the LLC, the, the incorporation, things like that, and making sure we could explain those in basic terms, but also in nonprofit organizations. But we also talk about benefit corporations, um, you know, what it means to get a B Corp certification. Right. Some states even have low profit LLC. And those aren't really heavily used yet. But I think as the, as the years go on, that those and as investors start to look for those, I think you'll see those play an even bigger role. Um, and I think that sometimes folks make decisions uh, on formation and, and kind of do DIY it, um, do based on something they heard someone say. Um, and I think that really the point, the biggest takeaway from that section of our book is that's one of those things that you have to, you need to know your full, um, palette of your choices and you need to work with a professional to really craft that in a way that works for what you're trying to do. Um, and so, you know, just saying, oh, well, Delaware, because this other company is in Delaware or because I heard the laws were a little better or Nevada, because I heard the laws were a little better. Um, right. Well, you got to you're a tiny company. Just remember, you might end up having to schlep to Delaware, Delaware or to, to go out to Nevada. And, and well, if you're in another state, maybe that's not so convenient for you. Um, well, and maybe that yeah. didn't really make sense. <laughs> or you're you, OK, you, you, you operate in California or Nevada, but you now you're. You're paying for corporation fees in Delaware, and you have to register as a foreign company in wherever you're operating. And sure. if, you know, as you're a lean, tight, tight, you know, startup, that that that's an extra expense that maybe you don't need. I mean, when you get larger to the point where you're you're dealing with major investors, and yeah, then you can always reincorporate in Delaware, but it, it doesn't have to be that point. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and um, one thing I often see people tripped up on is the difference between incorporating and the election between whether they're a Schedule um, C or an S corp. And uh, you know, I always get asked, did, "Did we file? Did we file as a C corp or an S corp?" And I said, "No, we just filed as a corp." 
And uh, do, you, do you find that that becomes an issue often? Um, I don't necessarily see see that as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's something where, um, again, I do find folks who come to us, though, who just have really very little idea about the way that they've incorporated because they've gone ahead and maybe used an automated process like a legal Zoom or something like that. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's just confusion about what, you know, what even is the situation <laughs> with right. the corporation and, and very little understanding of what the articles of incorporation actually say, which then just is more of a pain because then they en end up having to amend things and rewrite things. And it's just, um, you know, it's just it's just more painful um, to getting things done. And sometimes you can really, if you really cut and paste it, something that isn't appropriate, you can really get yourself tied. That's into, true. Into not one one thing that is not painful, though, is we're going to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Art Neal more about this important book. After these messages, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on Cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Get educated and entertained by our panel of on-air experts and peers. And engage with us anytime by following us on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and LinkedIn. So you can reach us before and after every program. Located on our new social shareable live streaming player. Access the new Cranberry Radio live stream player at our website, cranberry.fm. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Cranberry Radio, online anytime at cranberry.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel -gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back. Um, uh, welcome, Art Neal, again. And we're talking about his book, um, Don't Panic. And uh, how did you come up with that title? Yes. Well, I, you know, I wanted something that... Um, I actually didn't, you know, I was talking to Terry about it and we were working through different titles and I, I wanted something that was accessible. I, I figured, you know, when you appear on, on Amazon, it's so difficult if you write like a law related book, you don't want it to exactly if it's, if it's for non lawyers, it's very easy with the title to just look like it's only for lawyers, you know? 
Um, and so we tried to <laughs> literally have, um, you know, small business and creative professionals because, you know, for those people in the title and then the don't panic. I mean, I actually realized only later that it was a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy reference. How about um, that? <laughs> um, but I, I only caught that later from one of my, um, one of my board members, they caught it. I, that made me laugh, of course, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, uh, it, because that's exactly, you know, we just thought it, 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 it fit and that's what it is all about. And it's, um, it's not about sort of just, uh, uh, you know, walking through the dark or walking with a blindfold on. It's about going in with your eyes open and taking a breath. Um, we certainly have a lot of chapters towards the end of the book that are about how to, you know, when you have problems with people, how do you enforce your rights in a responsible way? When people have problems with you and start sending you nasty letters or even suing you, what is the right thing to do? And so we just felt a lot of the book kind of had that message of, you know, take a deep breath, deal with things early. And if things do come up, um, you know, don't kind of do just a knee jerk reaction, have a thoughtful response uh, in that. And, and so that's I think that's a theme that runs throughout the book. And it does. And so you start off with you know, basically forming your business. But then mm -hmm. the very next chapter is, OK, you have a business. The next important thing to focus on is IP. Right. I want you to discuss that a little bit. Well, IP, and that's really our bread and butter here at New Media Rights, and and we deal a lot with with especially copyrights, especially copyrights in in film and video and and software. Uh, and it's just so much of what everyone is creating these days is intellectual property. And yeah, of course, that applies to people who are creating software and new kinds of inventions but it also applies to people who are creating film and video and books and things like that that have protection um for those works uh and and a lot of times we find that folks need the first thing to do is to like sort out what are the different types of intellectual property we get a lot of questions that say well i want to trademark uh you know uh want to trademark my my book and i right. you know this kind of thing and and so just sorting out like what's a trademark you know and, and why is it important? And when would you even want to get one? And what's a copyright? And what's a, what's a patent? And why would you even consider filing for those? That's really important because I think, you know, an in, in, in inventor or writer or filmmaker um, can then say, oh, oh, yeah, I'm kind of, that's the kind of thing I'm working on. Um, and, and that helps them identify, you know, what it is that they have of value. And with most a lot of these companies, especially in a much more service-based economy, a lot of companies, much of their value is tied up in their intellectual property. Right. And knowing how that's protected and how it isn't protected um, is just so, so important. And especially with something when you, you know, in terms of most of those things, really all of those types of IP, copyright, trademark, uh, patent, and, and, tra and even trade secret, you need to take affirmative steps to uh, to get protection and to, I mean, obviously copyright, you get some protection, trademark you can too, but there are some clear advantages when you do register those works that make a, all the difference if it actually comes to a dispute. And, you know, sorting that out early is just so important because we find also it's critical for um, knowing about IP. I mean, it just... It's just critical because with a company, 
when they get going and they start creating something of value, um, let's say, for instance, then somebody comes along who wants to license it from them or somebody who right. even wants to acquire the company. Well, the first thing that you make an agreement, uh, you, know, the you know, the first thing that you say in agreements to license or agreements to be taken over is, hey, we own the right. intellectual property. We own the intangible stuff that we're bringing to the relationship. And a lot of those companies, they might not have many tangible assets. They might be in a garage. They might be in a small office. And so the real thing that they own is what they've created, that, that intangible asset. Um, and so knowing about intellectual property is just, I mean, it's almost like knowing the basics of the rules of, of the road when you're driving these days, like you really kind of need to know a little bit about intellectual property. And, and uh, I, I think it's appropriate that you did it second because often, you know, I've been in countless pitch meetings where you know, one of the first questions after politely listening to your slide deck is, okay, do, do you have patents? You know, what, what is your IP? And right. because that's what, you know, anyone can have an idea. <laughs> it, you know, but what do you own? What what can what is unique to you? And um, so it's very important that you know, they understand that and that to articulate that in order to just actually to move beyond just that startup. Right, right, and and to know and to know that choices you make before you ever got in that room, such as to write a blog post or to to share this and that at a conference. Um, that those choices have consequences in terms of whether something's even protected or not, right? You know, in terms of with patents, if you're disclosing the thing and you're not moving to actually get protection, um, that can be a problem. <laughs> uh, now, you move, you move on from there to talk about the, the issue of employees versus contractors. And, and this is an important issue, particularly in this space and in, in, in tech, because so often that it, that line blurs or, or is often in the, in the view of the IRS abused that a right. lot of people who are employees are, you know, are designated as independent contractors to avoid paying employment taxes. And, you know, the IRS kind of has uh, eternal vigilance in this, in this sector. And often companies get caught and end up having to pay back taxes. Um, what, what do you think are the key takeaways for a startup in that, in, on this issue? Yeah, I mean, it's been some years now uh, that have gone by since I think the D Department of Labor passed, you know, was even more clear about, you know, trying to be more clear, more um, stringent about who's an independent contractor, who's an employee. The truth is there's probably millions and millions of people who are not classified correctly out there. But right. it doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean that there aren't reasons that you want to you want to have that very, very clear. I mean, you can see that with these lawsuits against Uber um, right and and Lyft, uh, with you know the 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 ongoing lawsuits that have you know happened in a number of states about whether people are employees or not employees and should they be treated like employees, um, you know it comes up even more and more as everybody's involved, especially especially younger folks in this kind of gig economy where they're doing four jobs, right? They're right. they're writing some blogs for somebody and they're creating websites and they've got their startup they're doing and they're writing their novel. And, um, you know, it's really important uh, to know, especially when you're the one starting that company, as soon as you're um, bringing on um, people, you need to be treating them correctly because that can end up 
in a labor dispute for you. I mean, a lot of people early on, they're bringing on or they're working with people they know, maybe even friends, but then quickly it expands and it's like, okay, well, it, suddenly it's it's a much more professional operation, but they're still behaving as if it's, oh, well, it's just some friends getting together. Exactly. Uh, and as soon as those relationships sour, those folks, I mean, they're definitely folks who um, will take issue and will, um, you know, will create, uh, you know, will, will maybe bring labor lawsuits and other kinds of complaints. And I think also it, it relates directly to intellectual property. That was the other <laughs> bit. It does. Yes, really I was going to go to that. Go to that point. But yeah, go yeah. on. Well, independent contractors. I mean, it's a little more complicated than this. But but in essence, if you don't get it clear with an independent contractor who owns what, okay, and you hire somebody to do a logo or a video or create software or create your technology for you, if you're not really clarifying who owns that, a lot of times in default, it really is the independent contractor who owns that. And uh, you might at best have some sort of like license or implied license. And so when you're just, you know, you really need to get that down in writing with an independent contractor. Not only do you need to get your whole agreement with the independent contractor, what they're doing and, and what their expectations are, but you also need to make sure that there's... Um, you know, either uh, probably either and, uh, you know, sort of a work for hire and an assignment to make sure that um, whatever you need, whether it's work for hire, whether it's an assignment, that you're covered in terms of owning the rights that to things that that they're creating, if that's what you want. I mean, maybe you don't want that, but you probably want to own your logo, I assume. And then for employees, um, you know, you, of course, uh, employees, it's a different situation. Uh, usually by default, you're going to have ownership rights over what they're creating but you can also um you know change that balance based on what you put in your personnel handbook based mm -hmm. on what kind of agreements you do with them and and of course there are lots of spaces i mean i have intent i work out of a, a law school here at california western so you know even law schools and 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 uh universities with their professors, it's not always a clear the, that the school owns everything, right? Sometimes the uh, professors might negotiate to so that they have ownership of some of the stuff. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, employee and independent contractor relationship is important for so many reasons to get clear, um, but not least of which is, again, it affects um, your ownership of the intellectual property that's being created. And related to that, and you know, in California, if you have a work for hire arrangement with a contractor who is an, an individual and not a not not a, you know, a corporate entity of some sort, now that in itself can create an employment relationship. And so, all of a sudden, now you have you know employee obligations and which relate to payment and timeliness and all this other stuff. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And as soon as there be, as soon as somebody um, gets into that space of of being an employee, there's just so many things that you need to make sure that you're complying with um, in terms of everything from having the right poster in the break room to making sure exactly. that you're paying yes. all the correct yeah. taxes. I mean, there's just there's a lot of different things um, that you that you need to be um, aware of. <clears throat> now, you. you one of the other chapters you highlight that as important, and 
is um, chapter five in insurance. And you know, so often that is not highlighted in, right. in these in bring these presentations and discussions. What led you to you know to include that, and you know, why do you think that's particularly important for uh, a startup business? One reason we touched on insurance. I mean, we just we have a lot of experience working with the with folks in the film business, folks who are um, do uh, video creation as as a profession, um, whether on YouTube or in film film space. And uh, you know, in that space, E and O insurance is a really important uh, piece of how the industry works. And most distributors are not going to pick up your film unless it has. You know, um, you know, insurance errors and omissions insurance, right? Right. Um, some kind of, and, and with that, you know, you you, you got to get approval from an attorney that, hey, you know what what they what they're using, they actually have permission to use, or yeah. or we think it's fair use for some reason, and that's just one bit of insurance um, that we know is is very very relevant, and of course with um, with any business, there's just there just are so many different types. Um, and we wanted to kind of parse out what are these things? Um, and even cause, and also I think it's relevant too, for people who might, <laughs> you know, they might buy even one of these business owners policies, which sort mm-hmm. of bundle, bundle a bunch of, a bunch of different types of insurance together, but they might not even realize what types of things are covered in there. And so I think this type of thing can give people, um, a little bit more knowledge um, that, you know, to, to be able to understand, oh, well, you know, maybe I do need coverage for this and maybe I don't need coverage for that. And right. to try to get, try to get something that really fits you. You know, if you have, if you have, you know, a bunch of physical servers that you have in a place that could really be damaged, let's say California right now with all these floods and everything, um, then you might need some kind of flood insurance, some kind of insurance to cover that, right? Versus maybe um, maybe it, you don't have, uh, you know, may, maybe you're somebody that needs uh, something different. Maybe you need more automotive coverage because, you know, you've got everybody in your business driving around constantly, something like that. And so, you know, I think it's important to be able to, you know, to, to know how that insurance works because some of that insurance when things really hit the fan, I mean, what happens for businesses is that if if something happens that's sort of a catastrophic event, um, you know, and you're a very very tight margin, you're, you're a startup, you don't you're not even um, you're not even in the black yet, and you have an event like this happen uh, where somebody sues you for intellectual property or you, your entire server farm is is destroyed. Right. Um, that it could just be the end of the business. So <clears throat> insurance could be uh, a hedge, a way to kind of protect against those kinds of catastrophic events. And and uh, and I, I think that it's just critical for people to to have some understanding of of what this insurance is. And you know maybe there's stuff you don't need to pay for, and maybe you maybe you can figure that out by by looking at this and say, you know, I don't really need this or that or the other, and maybe you can, um, you know, reduce what you have to pay out on on insurance. <clears throat> and, and related to that is anytime you do get a threat of a lawsuit or a lawsuit itself, it's always good to tend to that to your, you know, your insurance agent and say, hey, does this 
is this covered in any way? Because you don't have to necessarily memorize your policy uh, or have to you know, read it over every time. That's their business. They they know and they can tell you. And uh, and so I've you know I've had clients where they get a they get a threat, and I said you know I think that there might be coverage for that. Submit it to your your agent, see what they say, and then boom, you know they have coverage and. You know that that a little bit from the insurance company can make a whole dispute go away, and you know save your your margin, you know, because it's it's other people. You know, what I often refer to as OPM, other people's money. Right, and and when people file a lawsuit, just because you're in the right, it's just because you're in the right doesn't mean it doesn't cost you a lot of money exactly. to deal with. Like, even if you're going to win the lawsuit, it still costs money, and. So that's exactly right. And I, I mentioned you know insurance for film, and that's that's exactly what it's supposed to be. You know, if somebody comes through and says, Oh, you know, well, you were using that photo from us and and we licensed that photo and you shouldn't have been using it without permission. Um, even if you have this great argument about why that's fair use or whatnot, like it, it's expensive to defend right. the loss. To, to make and that argument, exact- yeah. We're talking anywhere from ten to thirty or forty thousand dollars to just to prove you're right. And, and or more, and so that that's very troubling. And I don't know if you if you followed it, but I just thought I'd mention it, given that he, he's appeared on the show. Is the the suit against Hector, um, mm. and yeah, you know, Mike Massick's been on the show, and um, there's a, a gentleman who claims that he invented um, email, and Mike Massick in his very direct way. <laughs> <laughs> has more or less let let uh, published n- numerous articles saying that he, he thinks that's bunk, and so now he has a fifteen million dollar um, trade secret case up against them. And, and you know, for a blog like his, that's you know, that's a very expensive proposition, and um, and so he's had to, you know, he's fundraising. And actually, I, I'll just give him a shout out today. They're actually selling um, tech dirt. Uh, you know, t-shirts and mugs. But one of the things they're selling actually is a t-shirt that says I invented email. And, uh, and so I I actually purchased one myself. So um, check it it. out. And there's this, there's a link to the uh, tech dirt article uh, on our show notes. So please check it out. And uh, yeah, but you can get, you know, they're raising money that way. And yeah, I'll go also, get mine right now. Yeah. It's a defamation, right? It's a defamation. Yeah. Saying that, and he just filed a response to the lawsuit saying this is ridiculous. Um, whether I accept your contention that you you invented email is is my First Amendment opinion. You know, I, I get to I have that right to express. And um, and so and actually he um, he says in his briefing, really, that, um, you know, this is all about a protected, you know, First Amendment opinion opinion. You know, what qualifies as inventing, and uh, so it, it is. Um, but but it, and he has an anti-slap action um, motion as well. So, um, but in order for me to avoid a slap from my producer, I'm going to take one last break. But when we come back, we're going uh, to finish up and um, talk more about don't panic after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Cranberry.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this pre-recess for our sponsors. 
Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Here is Bennett Kelly. And we're back. And while I didn't invent email, uh, we have someone here who invented a, a very insightful book called Don't Panic, Art Neal. And we've been talking about uh, the content of that book and how it has been a, a useful guide for small businesses and creative professionals. Art, um, we have a, a few minutes left. What are some of the other important points you think we'd, you'd like to go over on that book um, in the short time we have left? Well, I think that it's really relevant um, as I found since publishing it, we actually didn't plan it as a as necessarily a classroom text, but we've had about ten classes, undergraduate and graduate, without even really um, doing a lot of outreach about it. Uh, we've had them adopt the book. Um, wow. Now, this has been adopted in media studies classes. Um, there's been a kind of film and business cor- business of film courses. Um, there's been some entrepreneurship business courses that uh, uh, adopted it, at, and these were all at the undergrad level. And then there was even a few graduate uh, courses that are more even for MFAs, uh, like an MFA, and for a um, uh, also for uh, that would be Master of Fine Arts for exactly the, Master of Fine Arts. Sorry, yeah. yeah, exactly for writers and things like that. And then also um, one even for folks who want to get into uh, kind of the the sports agent field and it's 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 remarkable because it just shows you the breadth of how important these issues are right like and 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 if you're a writer if you're a photographer a podcaster you know a journalist game developer um all these kinds of issues 
uh, can come up when you're uh, creating and distributing online. And so I guess what I would say is to anybody out there who is you know, teaching a course or is somebody who has to teach non-lawyers about these things, there's a lot of courses that have, say, two or three classes about this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think some That's of those, true. a lot of the professors I've talked to, instructors, they, the reason they were so excited about the book was, is like, you know, it's it, it explains this stuff in the right tone um, with the right amount of depth. And and it, it, it's something that their students can not only pick up for 15 bucks, which is a tenth of what their textbooks are, but they can also keep it as a reference for a life, you know, for 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 five, 10 years um, out. And it can be really useful to them as they go into the field. And that's what we're um, that's what we're really finding. And so I've I've been working with actually a number of professors right now, mostly across California um, to design and to incorporate the course into their, I'm sorry, the, the book into their courses. So if somebody wants to talk to me about that, um, that's also an option. And I, I think it can be really useful for teaching those kinds of folks. I've had actually here at, um, we work out of a tech incubator in San Diego called CyberTech, <clears throat> and they have a, um, they have an incubator program. It's a co-working space. They have an incubator program. And in that program, um, there's a number of the, startups a number of the mentors have taken a liking to the book and and have um you know wanted their startups to to get their hands on the book but i think um i think this is something that uh you know if you're if you're planning on starting a project if you're running a business and kind of wearing many different hats trying to keep your business uh, afloat if you're working in those kind of fields where you're creating a lot of um uh, intangible property, you know, copyrights and trademarks and 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 uh, patents. Um, then this is the kind of thing that you can have um, that will help you, and and not just not answer all your questions, but like I said before, will help you understand when, like when should I even be going to a lawyer? Right, um, and so. and that's that's the important point. I think, you know, the book is useful to extent it allows people to understand the concepts. But the important part, the less the important information that's imparted is understanding what issues you need to be aware of. You know, you, the business person, don't necessarily have to un- you know, fully understand those issues, but just know enough that that's an issue and that you should consult someone on that. That alone just saved you a lot of headaches. You know, and, and so that that's the value of these uh, books like this. I don't know if you find this, Bennett, too, but I just find better results when clients are a little bit more informed. You True. know, when they when they're more informed, they know a little bit more. It's just, you know, it's it's quicker to get into figuring out what needs to be done. It's um, it's better in terms of the results of like if they want us to draft a contract, the more they know about the possibilities Right, because it's their relation. It's it's a contract. Yeah, it's the legal language. It's setting expectations. But a lot of what a good contract can do is is just put into legal language that that business relationship that they created. So if that's right. not clear, then the contract's not going to be clear either. And so often that's dismissed as legalese. And then I actually, when I was in house, I had to explain this to explain someone. This to someone. They, they they said that, that I'll just um. You know, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll 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 roll over on choice of law and venue, and so I had to explain to that person, okay, what you just did is, 
you know, particularly when we're the we're the seller, um, you just gave them um, kind of a five to ten thousand dollar buffer um, sure. because we're because only going, we're if, only going if, if they're in Florida or you know some other state that's far away. You know, if they owe us, if they don't pay us, you know, we're only going to sue if it's worth going to those states. And so right. we've now given them that buffer to use. And so it's very valuable. Now let's talk about um, let's talk about money, cash dollar. Um, <laughs> where where should they buy the book? Should they, where do you want them to go? Okay, so the the book is available on Amazon. Um, it's the easiest way to to get it to get it. Um, so you can buy the book on Amazon. And what I'll also do, Bennett, if if you guys can uh, have a way to do it to do that, I can give you guys a special code so folks can get a couple bucks off the book as well. Um, and so sure. you can either go we'll directly to Amazon, and then we'll we'll send you a code as well. <laughs> okay, we'll do that, and we'll post it on the the show notes here, and we'll put it on our Twitter feed at um cyberlaw radio and definitely we're happy to do that for you and uh are you are you doing any um touring and all on this or you just kind of i haven't yeah i haven't really done too much touring i've done a lot um some talks here in town uh in san diego uh and up in la i'm I'm about to go up to the alliance for community media um meeting that this year is going to be they have a different places in in the west but this year is going to be in fresno and a lot of those folks are relevant but no i haven't really been doing a lot of touring um i'm willing to go places and and go talk about the book um but uh uh yeah the best place is to to get it on on amazon or through the link that i'll that i'll send over your way thank you we'll have that and you should consider south by southwest um possibly that might be a good venue for you and there, um, we're offline. This one I want to I want to hook you up with uh, at American University because they, they do a lot with uh, on fair use. There's a oh yes, absolutely. There. Pat Pat Ofter Heidi exactly. Exactly. And I know Vicky Phillips at their at their clinic. I've I've worked with and been on a few uh, organized, uh, panels with her. Uh, so yeah, no, they've done a lot of great work on on fair use and um, and uh, yeah, definitely. Um, doing some really good work over there <clears throat> and so if people want to learn more about you about um, new media rights and um, what's the best way for them to do so best way to do so is to go to newmediarights.org.org and and you can uh, go to newmediarights.org and i'd say sign up for our newsletter um, it's only every other <laughs> other month or so there's, there's only about five or six a year um, and we'll post new guides that we have there um uh, new things that are happening in the law. Uh, and then we'll also, um, I would also encourage people to follow us on social media, of course, on Facebook and Twitter. Definitely. And um, so what is the next project? The next project? Oh, there is a, there actually is a super secret project, right? Yeah, you noticed we, we have an app, we had an app in, in 2015. We had a book in 2016. There is another project, but it's still... <laughs> In the development stages, so right for right now, we'll just say it's a it's a trade secret, right? It's a trade. Okay, and then that would be chapter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Chapter two. Yeah, no. Um, but no, we're actually working on um, we're actually working on uh some some video course related uh, uh materials, and we'll be uh, talking about and releasing some of those this summer. Great. Um, well. Definitely check out the book. It's available on Amazon. And um, Don't Panic is the title. And we encourage you to to check it out. And definitely sign up for their newsletter. New Media Rights, they've been 
doing this very well for 10 years now. Congratulations. It looks like we both started at the same time. Internet Law Center is also also enjoying its 10th year. So uh, congratulations to you. And thank you again for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you. Um, When we get offline, there's a couple of things I want to run by you. But um, it's always a pleasure having you. And uh, I'm glad we got you on again. And it's an important book and a great resource for consumers. So please check it out. and um, thanks again. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. And just very briefly, in the time we have left, just a, a couple of quick announcements. Next week, we're going to have um, a return visitor, uh, Matt Wood from Pre- Free Press, and we're gonna, he's going to talk about the what's going on with net neutrality now and under the Trump administration at the FCC. Um, and also, just a, a quick announcement: this weekend is uh, Sud- um, some of Selma's Bloody Sunday commemoration. And that's someone. So uh, given the, what's going on with voting rights, I, I would encourage if you're in the area to go down there. And also want to give a shout out to Gary Schuster, my colleague, who actually submitted a FOIA request just to find out whether Michelle Lee was still head of the USPTO. And the USPTO punted, which created a major story. And so but we'll be back next week again um, right here talking about net neutrality and where that stands under the Trump administration with uh, Matt Wood of um, Free Press, who's been on the show before. But once again, I want to thank our, our, our guest, Art Neal, and congratulate him on his book and then 10 years with New Media Rights. And we'll be back here and once again at Cyberlaw Business Report. Check, the, check out the Internet Law Center at internetlawcenter.net. Check out our show notes on here at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and follow us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. Have a great week. And this is Bennett Kelly. See you next week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.